Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode of Lights Out entitled Revolt of the Worms. Lights Out was created by Willis Cooper in 1935 and billed as the ultimate in horror. Cooper pulled no punches when it came to sound effects, chopping carrots in two to make the sound of fingers being snapped off or frying bacon to simulate the sizzle of a body being electrocuted. But after terrifying late-night listeners for over a year, Cooper left Lights Out to pursue screenwriting. Years later, he would return to radio and create another legendary series, Quiet, Please. In 1936, Arch Obler replaced Willis Cooper and became something of a legend himself. Over the next two years, Obler wrote and directed over 100 Lights Out plays. His first story for the show, Burial Service, depicted a paralyzed young girl being buried alive. NBC was flooded with letters from outraged listeners. Fortunately, his next play proved less controversial. The story of a wife who turns into a cat called, wait for it, Cat Wife. Old-timey people didn't care much about spoilers, I guess. It was during his tenure on Lights Out that Obler developed many of his signature storytelling techniques. Stream of consciousness, dialogue repetition, metafictional humor, and the blending of the fantastical and the political. Lights Out ended in 1938, but the show was revived again for a brief run in 1942. Obler would return to Lights Out many times during his career, including in 1962 on the album Drop Dead and the 1970s syndicated radio series The Devil and Mr. O. Revolt of the Worms is maybe not as well known as other Lights Out stories. Chicken heart, I'm looking at you. But in many ways, it's quintessential Arch Obler. So with that in mind, we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off this podcast now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. again we caution you. These lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. And now, if you haven't already done so, turn off your lights now and listen to Revolt of the Worms. I can do is sit and think and wait. Wait for the floors to lift and the walls to crash. Facts. Think of facts. Yes, a journal of facts. Think. 
how it began, why it's happening. Journal of facts until the walls crash in in the thick flesh. Charles Prentice. There's a fact. Chemist and fool. Fool. Run away. Run away. Run away. Run away, Run away from reality. War. 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 Run away. You mean we're going to live in this godforsaken place, Charles? Yes, Claire, I remember. You did say that. And I said... Of course we're going to live here. It's ideal for my work. But we're so far away from everything, Charles. So far away from what? Your friends? My friends? All right, Charles. Whatever you say, Charles. You never disagreed with me, did you, Claire? Why, it's so quiet up here, it's almost as if we are out of this world. Yes, I remember. Young Jackson, you did say that. I like working with you, sir. Why, up here, it's almost as if we were out of this world. Out of the world. I wanted to be out of the world. Hide. Until it's over. Yes, why not? Why not? What are you going all the way up there for, Prentice? To do my work, of course. But who cares about propagating new varieties of roses at a time like this? The times have nothing to do with it. I'll do what I please. I'll do what I please. But, Prentice, to leave suddenly like this, it doesn't make sense. Roses are fine in normal times, but a chemist of your ability? In times like these, certainly there's more productive work that you could do. I'm not interested in your opinions. I'll do what I please. You hear me? Do what I please. Do what I please. Yes, sir. Everything's ready, sir. Greenhouse. All ready for you, sir. One week ago, Wednesday. Does the wind always blow up here, Charles? Eh? I said the wind... Does it always blow like that? Why? Frightening. Mighty less frightening than the things that are happening back in the city? I suppose so. I know so. Where's that boy? Jackson. Yes, sir? The phosphates. Are they ready yet? Uh, not quite, sir. Well, get them ready. Every one of the plants. We work late tonight. Very late. Work late and hard. That was the answer to everything. Chemist, if you're ability... In times like these, there certainly must be more important work than propagating roses that you could do. A chemist of your ability. In times like these, there certainly must be more important. Oh, no, I wouldn't think of that, I told myself. Wouldn't think of that. Roses. Yes, develop the greatest rose in the world. That would be my answer to them. While they bombed and burned, I'd develop the largest rose the world had ever known. And when the world settled down again, I'd come back and bring the rose to them. And they wouldn't care if I had run away. My plan. Why does it go wrong? Claire, why does it go wrong? Claire... Oh. Dead. You're dead. They killed you. Dead as I'll be dead. If I could only think, why does it go wrong? Well, I put the solution that's left over, Mr. Prentice. Yes. I do remember. That was it. Oh, gosh, Mr. Prentice, I'm trying to understand, but... I'm so tired. You must keep working. The only salvation is to work. What's salvation got to do with roses? Don't be impertinent. Do your work. Yes, sir. Two cc for each plant. And careful, don't let any of it touch the stem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You weren't very happy, were you, Jackson? Those were things you couldn't understand. It it isn't that I I don't want to work, Mr. Prentice. It's just that I'm all mixed up. Uh, These roses. Why do I have to pour this stuff on them every hour, on the hour? It doesn't make sense. Hormones? Sure, I know what they are. Secretions from the glands in the human body. 
Sure, I know what they're for. Make us grow and everything. I get it. That, that's what you try to do with the roses. You make them grow fast and big. But how do you know these hormones will work on plants, Mr. Prentice? And how do you know how much to give them? And, and how big will the roses grow, Mr. Prentice? Questions. Everlasting questions. But now I ask them, why did it go wrong? Thursday. Thursday? What do I remember? Well, I throw the hormone mixture that's left over, Mr. Prentice. Mr. Prentice, I said, well, I throw the hormone... No way! Can't you see that I'm working? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. I remember. Friday. What a Friday. Friday night. Claire? Yes? Is that you? Yes, Charles. What are you doing walking out here in the dark? It's a lovely night. Romantic at your age. I just like the night. You women, come back to the house. All right. Crazy walking around in the dark? That's old. What's the matter with you? Can't you walk? If I hadn't caught you... It's slippery. What are you talking about? It's so slippery around here. Don't talk foolishness. But it is. By George. You're right. What? Stand still. I'll light a match. I had some... Yes. Now, we'll see what... Charles, stop grabbing. What? <laughs> Worm. What? Can't you see? Just ordinary earthworms. Mat crawlers. We just walked over a few of them. Now you women with your fears and your squeamishness. Walked on a few worms and you make more noise and more fuss. Yes. I remember. Friday night. The, the extra hormone solution, where will I throw it, Mr. Prentice? Mr. Prentice, where will I throw the extra hormone solution? Saturday. And then the night. Jackson! Jackson, where are you? Jackson, I told you to stay in the house. Jackson, where are you? Time to feed the plants. Jackson, where are you? Not here, Charles. Uh, Claire, you startled me walking up like that. I didn't mean to. That infernal boy, where is he? Have you seen him? He's not in the house. But I told him not to go out. I told him only an hour ago he's got to work all night. The plants must be watered every hour on the hour. He went out. Well, why didn't you stop him? Oh, I have to go chase after him. Jackson! Jackson, are you out there? Come in. Uh, what, what did you think it was? Thunder. It's starting to rain. Shut the door. Shut the door, I say. But the boy... If he hasn't the sense to come in out of the rain, it's just too bad. I've got enough to do with worrying about my roses without worrying about him. And don't you go out after him. He'll come back. He'll come back. Saturday night. And when it was day again... Charles, Charles, wake hmm? up. Please wake up. Oh, where? You're on the couch. You fell asleep on the couch. Charles, hmm. get up right away. Well, what's the matter with you? Why should I get up? What difference does it make? Listen to me, please. The boy, he isn't back yet. Huh? Jackson, he isn't back yet. Charles, where can he be? The storm, you slept. I wake. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you looked in his room? I just came from there. Charles, where could he have gone to? All through the storm. Oh, stop talking so much and let me get up. Let's go see. Must you follow me? Why didn't you wake me up? Why did you let me sleep? 
I must have fallen asleep, too. I opened my eyes. It was dead. Oh, Charles. Oh, stop old Charlesing me. Crazy young fool, so he spent the night outside. So what's the difference? Teach him a lesson. Well, no wonder he isn't back yet. Fog like this, it's as bad as night. Charles, All I... right, all right. What am I supposed to do? Go wandering through fog like a bloodhound, like a fool? Don't worry, he'll be back. He'll be back. But you never did come back, did you, Jackson? When the sun came out and that everlasting wind came up and lifted the fog. Charles, Charles, come here. Where? Uh, where are you? Back to the house, Charles. Come quick. Oh, oh, what is it? What do you want now? The boy isn't around. I've looked everywhere. Now, Charles, what, what happened back here? What? Look at the ground. Well, what? Who plowed this ground up? Plowed? Yes, yeah, certainly plowed. Can't you see? Some crazy drunken fool plowed up the ground. But during the night? Charles, how could that be? You believe what you see, don't you? It's that boy. What? Yes, that Jackson went crazy, found a plow, tore up the ground, and ran away. Went out of his mind, that's it. The boy's gone crazy, tearing up the ground. Gone crazy. Gone crazy. And then, that night, that same night after I thought Jackson had gone crazy, run away, I went back to my work Sunday night. Charles, Charles, can I speak to you? Charles, please stop your work and talk to me. Haven't you lived with me enough years to know I don't like to be interrupted when I'm working? But I'm frightened. Are you? Really? Charles, stop it. Are you out of your mind? Yes, maybe I am. What did you say? Maybe I am crazy. All right, maybe I am. That's the only way I could have lived with you all these years. What? Endured your selfishness, your unbelievable selfishness. Well... Everything's for you for 20 years, everything for you. Now, that's enough. Your work, your pleasures, what you think, what you want, everything for you, nothing for anyone else. Will you the shut up? The little Mr. Prent is the scientist, the good husband who never lifts his voice. Mother in heaven, I'd rather be married to a fool with a heart in him than you. Well, then... You haven't got a heart. You never had a heart. It's you, you, and no one else, and that boy can be dead out there and you don't care, and I can be dead and you don't care as long as you're safe and doing what you want to do. Will you go away and let me go on with my work? Charles, Charles, I'm fighting that boy. Now there are noises. I'm asking you for the last time to go away and let me do my work. But listen to me. You've been out here all night. I've been in the back of the house alone, and I've been listening, and I didn't want to come in here, but I had to. Charles, things I said, I meant them. For years, I've meant them. All right, that doesn't matter. But I tell you this. There's something outside the house. Find out what it is, Charles. Twenty years ago, I thought you were an irrational woman. I thought I'd trained you out of that irrationality. I was wrong. Now, humor you just this once, but never again. Where are these noises? At the back of the house. The lantern handed to me? Yes. Thank you. You're frightened. You don't have to go with me. I want to know... What? That you're a fool? Well... So what am I supposed to hear? There's nothing. Hello out there. Hello. Well, what now? Listen. To what? Listen. To what? I... I thought... You heard the wind whistling through the cracks in your brain. Come into the house. 
Charles, wait. Wait for... Uh... Here? Yeah. So what? Give me the lantern. If it's that boy... Oh, it could be him, couldn't that it? That crazy young fool playing practical jokes. If I get around the corner of the house and... <laughs> What's going on here? Charles. Something moving under the ground. Yeah. So dark. Can't quite make out. Charles, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. Animal of some sort? Take me back to the house. Oh, go yourself. Moon will come out of the clouds. See what this is. Give me the lantern, Charles. No, I want to see. The house is back there. Turn around and go back to it. Go ahead. All right. All right. Yes. It is something burrowing. In the front of the moon, come out. I'd see there. Coming out. Now I'll see what... Holes. Holes in the ground all over. What are they? Who... Bomb crater? But that isn't possible. No. Animal burrows. But what animal could make a hole four feet across? What animal? Claire! Where are you? Claire! So dark, I can't see you. is still in my ears. Looking for you and the moon was under the clouds and I couldn't see and I couldn't find you. And then I did. You had fallen into one of those craters. Into one of those holes in the ground. I couldn't see you, but I could hear you. But which one of the holes? They were all over ground, pockmarked with them. I ran around in the dark. I could hear you, but couldn't find you. And then the moon, it was out again. Ask the moon, why did it come out? If it hadn't come out, I wouldn't have seen. And my head... Stop it, stop it, stop it, Claire. Stop it. I can still hear you. I can still see you. Your body down in that hole. As I ran toward you, suddenly I saw that something else was coming toward you. Something that glistened, wet in the moonlight. Something long and slimy. A great twisting snake. Yet not a snake. Not a snake. And the fear in me made me fall to the ground, and I saw as I lay there, I saw. The thing moved toward the hole in the ground as if you weren't there. As if it were blind and couldn't see. Like a great blind worm. It was a worm. A worm, ten, twenty, no... Thirty feet long, crawling in fright to its home in the ground. And it moved toward you, Claire. Covered you. Crest you. You're dead, Claire. You've been dead for two days. Why should I tear out of my memory all the horror of how you died? 
how young Jackson must have died. Well, I saw the extra hormone solution, Mr. Prentice. Well, I saw the extra hormone solution, Mr. Prentice. Yes. It's very funny, isn't it, Jackson? I ran away and I was going to bring back to the world the greatest rose. But I brought back the greatest worms. The hormones you threw away soaked into the ground and into them. Hundreds of little worms burrowing under the ground, soaking into their flesh, into their life process, miraculously increasing the growth of them until overnight they grew and grew without limit into those terrible horrors. And they are still growing. I can hear them. For the last two days, squirming around the house and over great monstrous pieces of slimy flesh worming and writhing. Hundreds of them, thousands of them, burrowing under the ground and at night coming out of the ground. I have seen them, a sea of flesh, a sea of worms. Yes, I hear you out there, you worms. You were under the ground and now there's no room underground for you, so you've come out of the ground. The world was yours first, so now you're going to take it back again. The world for the world. You're under the house. You're lifting it. The walls will fall and crush me and I'll be dead and I want to be dead. Yes, now I know why this is happening to me. I thought I could run away from the world and what is happening in the world. You hear that, you worms out there? I thought I could run away. Oh, oh I'm very tired. Just sit here and wait. Wait for them. I know how I'll die. The walls falling, crushing. Window. Something behind me. A worm at the window. He's crawling in. And another following. And another. They're filling the room. Worms. All around. Worms. Thank <laughs> you. 
is Revolt of the Worms from Lights Out here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was Joshua's pick this week. And Mr. Scrimshaw, let's uh, start with uh, why you picked and chose that for us to listen to this week. Well, it was actually the very first Lights Out I ever listened to in its entirety. Because as a child, Lights Out terrified me. That yeah. that intro just freaked me out. It was the chanting and the gong, mm-hmm. and the it is later than you think, slowly being intoned. And I was just like, stop the tape. Um, yep. And it didn't help that what I had was a tape that had Murder Castle on one side. Oh, my God. And that was, that was side A, so that was the first You're one. kidding me. I, as a child, I got past the intro, which scared me. And then we got into Murder Castle and... <laughs> killing women and dying as they slowly sank into cement and it's bubbling up and all the sounds i was like stop it and i turned it over and the fantastical elements of revolt of the worms Mm -hmm. was a little easier to digest for the the, the young (laughs) child even though everyone dies in it right super dark um but it's still giant worms and so that that had a distancing effect for me. So I would listen to Revolt of the Worms and then rewind to Escape Murder Castle and listen to Revolt of the Worms again. Right. I know some of this by heart. Yeah, Murder Castle, for those of you who have just joined listening to the podcast, is one that we've done, and you can go back and listen to that. It's uh, gruesome. Uh, how old were you? I was probably between 8 and 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your parents need to be talked to. <laughs> well, they just like, it's old time radio, you right. know. It's old, so it must be wholesome. <laughs> and then everyone is being murdered left and right. I think we brought this up before, but we'll say it again. I mean, there's a lot to be said in old time radio uh, about scene setting with your intro uh, and how you introduce an old time radio show. This is right up there with one of the greatest intros. It is later that's just beautiful and i always am so desensitized to this opening i have to go back and think about everything that's great about it just the idea that he does the reverse psychology and dares the audience to turn off the radio yeah, the whole then, if you frighten easily turn off your radio now i think in horror there is something transgressive about horror in general and so presenting this as a radio show that you probably shouldn't be listening to mm-hmm. uh, makes you really want to listen to it in a heightened state of alertness. Don't, don't touch the paint. Wet paint. <laughs> you want to touch that paint. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It becomes horror paint. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, start with uh, just the basic uh, elements of this. Um, the opening, I think, is the brilliant. Opening, here, here's what I love about the opening, the, the back and forth on the timeline. It's a very difficult thing to pull off and easily could be extremely confusing to listen to. A guy talk and then you don't know, are we here or are we talking about in the past? And what they did was just change his distance from the mic and the tone of his voice. He's, you know, down here whispering when it's today. And then way back here and he's up and his register is up and he's more, it really uh, cleared that up, making for a really nice way to tell this story, a really interesting back and forth on that timeline. And I enjoyed that a but lot. But there's even a difference, and maybe this is what you're saying, but there are three different versions of Charles in here. There mm-hmm. is the Charles who's sort of speaking at his most despondent mm-hmm. in the very moment before his death. Yes. And then he kind of flashes back and he's still narrator Charles and there's this sort of crossfades between him telling the story 
and then him being in the moment right before the walls crash in and the thick, gross worm bodies crush him to death. And then we also have the great contrast between that bleak, broken Charles and the arrogant Charles when he's speaking in the scenes in the past when he's talking to his wife and he's like, well, I don't need this. And, Oh, you woman. And you, you know, he's full of himself. Right. Um, and so it's really quite complicated. It is. This yeah. Era of I mean, radio. the structure is, is makes this show so much more than the kind of simple story that it's presenting. And I was making a joke about it in the intro, but I think there's some truth to it with Arch Obler, like cat wife. Well, it's a story about <laughs> wife who turns into a cat. Revolt of the worms. It's about worms revolting because he's not that concerned about a twist or a shock. He is concerned about how he tells the story. He's so confident in his ability to tell the story in a fascinating, captivating way that will just tell you what it is. I have some uh, issues. One, what you just said, yep, he's really confident in his ability to write, but I wish I didn't know. It was about worms. That's what bugged me, mm-hmm. is if you had not told me that these worms were going to happen, I would have been shocked by that. Instead, I spent the whole story going, when are the worms coming? And then when she's slipping on things and as the ground is rumbling, we know eventually, and I get what you're saying, Joshua, I'm so good at writing that I'm going to tell you that this is going to happen, and yet you're still going to love it. And you're right. There's no argument with that i still did love it i just think it would have been really fascinating to not know that was coming instead they could have called it the guy that developed the world's greatest rose yeah, and everyone would have tuned in <laughs> i thought it was about roses oh, oh man oh. I think that's fair. I, I mean, it, it, but, I but you have to admit it's a conscious choice in his part. It's not a lacking in writing. You might disagree with it, but it's clearly his choice. And it's also, it gets you that internal sting or musical sting of, okay, titles is Worms, story, 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 <gasps> Worms just showed up. So that's, I know to be plugged in and excited about mm-hmm. Worms. <laughs> <laughs> I regret saying that. <laughs> I'm going to send that to you. That's going to be your ringtone. Uh, um, <laughs> Plugged in and excited about words. <laughs> the Tim Uren story. <laughs> That's going to be smoothly transitioning. Right. My favorite thing about this show was the performance of the wife. Yeah, she okay, is fantastic. Yeah, bring it on. I got a lot of notes about that. That was a weird thing. Go yeah, it, it was such a strong, weird choice because one of the things I really uh, enjoyed about this was yes Charles in the flashbacks was more animated obviously than mm-hmm. his narrator figure but everything all the performances even his were kind of flattened a little bit so often in a story like this you'd see your narrators I'm dark I'm gloomy and everything in the past seems so bright and animated but in this it seems distant and lost the choice by the director or the actor or the writer whoever all three of her being so flat is the way to to put it and and it never changes uh, up until she screams at one point yeah that's the most we get out of it well we get a little hint of something else from her when she's outside because it's a beautiful night mm-hmm. and he shames her for being romantic at your age <laughs> <laughs> and and so we do see why she's so flat she's been beaten down by this yeah. guy. Well, and that brings up the other point that it's hard to listen to, and this is going to tie in with what you're saying, it's hard to listen to those lines of you women walking around in the dark, you women with your fears and your squeamishnesses, uh, uh, th- these lines that jump out at you in 
by today's standards and make us uncomfortable. Yeah. But then you realize, no, that's not just standard how men, uh, husbands talk to their women back in the day and you just got to let it go. That's the writing of this on purpose. It's not being presented to us as this is okay. This is how men talk to their wives. Instead, it's this is why she's uh, sounds like she's a little drugged or uh, hopeless, I think is the word you just used. Uh, if you didn't, I'll you, say it now. Uh, yeah, hopeless. Say it now. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, that word you just used, uh, broccoli. It's very <laughs> broccoli. <laughs> This is so a fun you, game. We're gonna have to edit a lot out of this. No, I don't have. Not a word. I don't have that kind of time. This is what it is, people. So, doesn't it make you uh, flinch a little when you heard those lines and go, "Oh, is this an old time radio thing, or is this out of the era thing?" I should say, or is this purposely written? And after a while, you start with, "Oh, yes, that's purposely written." So I know. think it's very clearly from the top that this character Charles is a still hard jerk. to hear. I mean, the, the aspect of it from the time, which is probably, sadly, still not uh, exclusive to the time, degree to which she felt she had to live like that. Right. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, he's explicitly a coward, which connects to another thing that obviously went way over my head when I listened to this over and over again when I was eight or ten years old. Um, the whole war subplot. Yeah. The whole, that this guy is a coward. He is out to please himself. He's out for his own glory. Because mm-hmm. Arch Older had really strong feelings about fighting fascism and getting into World War II. And so this is a direct attack on, on anybody people that who, who would not participate in right. the war effort. Because we have all those flashbacks of the other scientists saying, you know, in times like these, why are you wasting your times on, on, on roses? And so I think it's specifically roses is something superficial, something that will please him and pleasing to look at and will get him applause later in life but he could be using his time and talent to create giant worms to eat Nazis. <laughs> he could be doing something real for the war effort. And I think that's really interesting. So right away, you know that this is a guy from Arch Obler's point of view who is not a good guy and that he is the architect of his own destruction by making these choices. Right. By pleasing himself. Because we have that, he uses repetition so much throughout this, but there's a whole like echo repetition of like, I'll do what I please, I'll do what I please. And Yep. Do you guys remember the movie Food of the Gods from 1976? <laughs> if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, you don't know why they're laughing. But uh, again, uh, two weeks in a row, I was reminded of that movie, which uh, I know that we recorded these all in a row, so you didn't have time to go watch it. Uh, but <laughs> just so you know, people, we crank out about 40 of these in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Call it We've a- been sitting here for the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> this is our ice fishing. <laughs> um, the food of the gods, where they fed the the rats and everything, they they become giant creatures and they 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 attack. And last week I said, oh, Dracula and White reminded me of that a little bit, but it failed. And it was like the movie in '76, where oh, what a great idea, but it was hokey and and didn't quite do this great. This took that same concept okay so we're going to uh accidentally these worms are going to be given this uh, this this what is it a juice what is <laughs> what is it that gets into the ground uh, hormones? Joshua? Hormones, hormones growth hormones growth hormones but that's really what that movie is about except in this case it's only the worms but it works this time it, it was terrifying and uh suspenseful and all of that and, and anyway so i just thought i'd throw that out there that 
uh, all of the uh, podcasts from now on are going to have references to Food of the Gods. <laughs> Something to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> Someone out there seen it and are like, "Oh yeah," because when we were, I that That's was exactly forward. the response. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, that, fast forward. <laughs> that movie came out when I was in fourth grade, and when you, as a kid, saw the previews with giant everything's attacking people, you're like, "Yeah, that's gonna be the greatest movie ever," and it was so disappointing. Anyway, I anyway. think Arch does it better. Yes. Very much so. It's interesting, though, despite his ill treatment of his wife, the horror he expresses as he describes her oh, really yeah. awful death of she falls into one of these wormholes and is crying out from the bottom of it, and he's following her voice and trying to find her in it, and then describes the worms crawling over her. It's really awful. And that goes on for, I don't know, two minutes? is fantastic. Yeah. Horrifying. You know, great in a terrible way, but man, that was unnerving to listen to. Which is only the prelude to the ending, which I was just amazed at how long we spent with him. Yeah, oh, okay. as they were crawling over yeah. him and through the window, and that's the. Um, I think it goes back to him choosing to put "Revolt of the Worms" in the title. He gets you into this headspace where, yep, we're going to get into a world. Yep, they're going to be giant worms. So by the and, and the horror is so real that by the time you get to the end, in another context, when there's a guy describing, there's something behind me. It's the worm. He's looking in the window. That really should be absurd. Yes, yeah, that would be the, the neighbor <laughs> worm coming for a cup of sugar. Yes. It, <laughs> it should be comical. But but he has just right. kind of changed the, the way we're looking at this scenario. Particularly, I think it's the death of his wife that makes any comedy we might feel about a, win- a worm sticking its face in the window going, you in there? You in there? <laughs> That's gone at that moment. Right. And you're just like, wow. And as the walls come in, it slithers over him and he's... Ugh. I will confess also, because little plug for me, I've done live versions of the short story Rats in the Walls that basically ends with yes, you have. Uh, the rats, the rats in the walls. And so at the, we get to the close of the end when he's getting to the final scene... He starts saying the worms. I think, ah, we're wrapping up here. He's saying the worms. <laughs> and then there's a lot more worms to come. <laughs> they just keep coming. And to the to the point where you hear him trying to still narrate through the giant worms that are smothering oh. him. Well, he just keeps saying the worms. And it's about 60 times he says it. And I listen to this over and over again as a child. <laughs> that explains a lot. Devil's Advocate is... <laughs> I know what the answer is going to be. Is that death scene when the worms come in and he's screaming, you know, the worms and being smothered, is it too long? It goes on for a while. It goes on for a while, yeah. Is it too long? I don't think so myself. I find myself wondering, wow, I I hear you. <laughs> I got it. All right, going to keep going. And then I thought, well, maybe that's, I'm still really uncomfortable so maybe that was a good thing. I can't quite decide. I, I guess I would. I need to hear shorter <laughs> and see if it was better. But it was an interesting thing to do. Like I think, as a writer, or don't, wouldn't your instinct be to be okay? That's enough. I mean, it takes some courage. I guess is the right yeah. word to go that long with that. Is, is do you that, understand what I I'm getting at? Almost the exact same reaction of it's tough to take the skill of the performer aside, the skill of the Foley aside, just narratively to be with a character who you know is dying that long to suffer through this with him is yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and on purpose to make us even more uncomfortable. I, and I get that. And to really make this a final note. This guy, there, there's no coming back. There's not a <laughs> there will sequel. Be no sequel. <laughs> you know? And you just left with it. And when his voice kind of fades out and you just get left with the slithering of the worms and then a big gong comes in. <laughs> but now we know from last week that these giant worms can now feed the world's population after <laughs> nuclear can, war. They can can these giant worms. They can just regenerate themselves. You don't need a machine. <laughs> uh, the foley at the end when the worms come into the house, there are two pieces of foley going on to give us the sound. Mm-hmm. One was the sound of the worms, mm-hmm. and one was like a static or scraping sound, I, mm-hmm. I, and I yeah. didn't know A, what it was, and B, I found it really distracting. Uh, and that is the only thing in this whole thing I really didn't like, but I was like, I give that an F. Just give us the mushy, gooey, slithering mm-hmm. sound, and him screaming, the worms, the worms, the worms, but I don't know what that... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, like, it's, I thought it was like a steel brush or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was... It was. I thought it was to imply the heaviness of the worms. Like it was literally the worms dragging their body across a wood floor or whatever through the window. Sure. Pushing up against the window pane. And it had this scraping noise that to me suggested weight. Too much squishiness does not imply crushing someone to death. Right, smothering them perhaps, but they say crushing. And so I think whether it succeeds or not, I think it was uh, Obler's idea is to give these worms significant, like physical, real world weight. It was also, I think, the loudest sound in the mix. That's the problem. Also a little hard on the ears, and I wasn't 100% sure what it was, so it got distracting. Just now you said, I think it's this. I don't want to have to say, I think that's, like, I want to know what that is. Some breaking windows and some timber crushing, you know, things of that nature. Worm, 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 like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That covers it. Yes. Hey. (laughs) Worm's worm. I'm a worm. I think it's fair. That's the only problem. I wonder how much of it was... From it being old, like that it's an old recording and maybe it hasn't stood the test of time and it's been... No, I think you're right. That is the loudest. So even if it's faded a little or it's not as clear, I think that's clearly the loudest noise. And I wonder how much of it was Obler intentionally not wanting to be realistic after getting in trouble for a certain amount of horror or gore, Hmm. you know, and maybe wanting to take some of it. You know, some guy who lets some person be smothered for two minutes or however long. No, he didn't like, he's, he's not concerned. He wasn't concerned. Yeah, it could um, easily be the, this was a live performance, and the guy who's doing the the brushy thing, sound effects was a little too close to the microphone. That's what I'm getting at. That just a production value issue I had. But other than that, uh, I thought it was classic. Stands the test of time. I love it. I'm a little biased. I have a hard time separating myself because I've heard it so many times, right. and I can't really pull back enough on it to me it's quintessential arch obler um because you do see so many of his right. tropes all meshed in there the repetition of yeah. dialogue the stream of consciousness the um the political aspect to it that was totally over my head as a kid so yeah i just thoroughly enjoyed it both as a kid and as an adult over my head now <laughs> <laughs> uh i i don't know that i would call it a classic it certainly stands the test of time uh, it's got all these great trappings. The performances are great. The structure is phenomenal. I think it's it's what makes it stand out so much to me that I like it. Um, but all these things are hanging on a story which is a little insubstantial. Um, of guy leaves the world, gets sloppy with his chemicals, and is eaten by a worm. I, I think if you strip away everything except just the actual plot, 
uh, the, that's a little insubstantial to me. I think that's fair, but I would also say that that's most Arch Older scripts. <laughs> Don't watch Food of the Gods. <laughs> You're going to be really disappointed. Well, it's going to make our future discussions of it difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, just giant things, killing things. That's all you wanted in fourth grade. That's why Godzilla works. There, I said it. <laughs> well, are we done? <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. If you're not there already, at ghoulishdelights.com, you'll find other episodes of this podcast, because we have a lot, and they're awesome. You'll also find information about live shows, because if you're in the Twin Cities area, you might have the chance to go see us uh, sometime on stage performing scripts like this live. Yeah, this is our 60th episode. Wow, 60 episodes. What a great time to go to iTunes and write a review. <laughs> 60 of them. Yep, 60 of them. Write a good review. Uh, don't put any spoilers in the title. <laughs> if you say, I love the podcast, and then the review is all, I love the podcast, we'll be really disappointed. We want to be surprised. <laughs> say, I hate the podcast, and then do a twist by saying you love it in the body of the review. Right? No, don't do that don't at do all. That. <laughs> no, don't do that at all. Super. <laughs> Let us know if you've seen Food of the Gods or not. That's what I want to know. Write us an email and tell me about your experience with Food of the Gods, 1976. Please, write Eric an email. <laughs> yes. All the emails, by the way, we get. I'll say, hey, Tim. Hey, Joshua. <laughs> Who are you and the dumb guy. <laughs> All right. Who's got the next one? I got the next one, don't I? Uh, we are actually going to delve into a listener request. And we're going to be doing something from... Molay Mystery Theater, uh, an episode of their series called Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. Until then, look out! I know to be plugged in and excited about worms. <laughs>